You're listening to 87.6 FM, Apollo Bay Radio, and The Wellness Couch, and I'm Katarina Morrison. Now, what makes this show great is I get to chat to some of the most incredible people on this planet, and tonight is no exception. We've got another elite athlete, humble as anything. In fact, it took three chats with him to reveal that he was sort of a champion. And when I investigated, I found out what type of um, champion he actually is. So he's got three Australian Ironman champion titles, winning 11 Australian titles, five New South Wales Ironman titles, 26 New South Wales titles, and he's also been seven times representing Australia along with having a career as a teacher spanning 42 years, and he's packed all this up in his uh, into his life. Now, um, I'm just waiting for Robert Chapman to call, to call through. Robert, you there? Yeah, I am. Hello, yeah. welcome. I've already introduced you. Um, and like I said, what makes this so so great is that I get to chat to some of the most incredible people on this planet. And tonight is no exception. Another elite athlete. Humble as anything. In fact, it took me three chats with you to reveal that you were sort of a champ. And when I investigated, like I said, I found out three-time Australian Ironman champ, winning 11 Australian titles, uh, five New South Wales Ironman titles, and 26 New South Wales titles. You've also represented Australia seven times. And you've also, in between all that time, I don't know how you got the time, but you had a career as a teacher spanning 42 years. So welcome, Robert Chapman. How are you going? Hello. Yeah, very well, thank you. Hello, Katarina. How are you tonight? Yeah, great, great. I've lost my voice. You will have to do a lot of the talking. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you for that introduction. It, ta- it takes me back a while. <laughs> doesn't sound too bad. So let's go into your history as as you as a little boy and uh, how you navigated this path. Let me let the audience know your story. Oh, my story. Um, I was born in a Midwestern town, small town in New South Wales in Australia in the uh, in in rural New South Wales. It was a town called Cootamundra. Um, and Cootamundra was from... Look, I haven't got a great deal of memory of my time living on a farm. Um, I think we got out of there when I was about three years of age. Um, my father came to the realisation from what my grandmother... We'll talk about my grand a little bit later, but um, my, grandfather, my grandmother tells me the story that my dad... Um, wasn't the farmer that he hoped he would be mm. because it is a school. It is a, it is a school, um, absolutely. But um, and he came from the city, so we got out of Cootamundra when I was about three. Moved to the Sutherland Shire, uh, where I still am today. Sutherland Shire in Sydney, New South Wales. It's a beachside suburb. And I went to the local primary schools uh, in the Cronulla area. Went to a primary school called South Cronulla Primary School, which um, if you looked out of the top classrooms these days, you'd see the ocean. Uh, there was no two-storey buildings back in my time, but uh, if, you, if you looked out now, you'd see the ocean. And then I went to Cronulla High School. Yes, a born and bred, hey, Shire boy for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So look, apart from those first three years, I have spent my entire time in the Sutherland Shire. 
How was that like as um, a little boy connecting to nature as well? It was free. Um, I just, I just, I gravitated to the ocean. Being very close to the ocean, um, I was only my home was only um, when I was still with my parents was probably only one hundred meters before my feet were on the sand. Fantastic, yeah. And um, I stayed there until well into my 30s. And I, I, as I said previously, I, I gravitated to the ocean. The ocean is when I smiled, um, when I was really content and happy. And that's, that's just how I grew up. I spent all my time on the beach and in the water. And it is a beautiful place too where you grew up. I mean, there's lots of rivers. It's well known for surf spots, isn't it? Isn't there a spot called Voodoo there as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's quite voodoo, dangerous. can get quite dangerous, can't it? Yeah. To it navigate? Voodoo, mm. Yeah, voodoo, voodoo is a place that sits out um, to the northern end of our Cronulla beaches. Our Cronulla beaches are about approximately about six kilometres in length. Um, of beach, it's different now with to what it was when I was a when I was a, a boy and a teenager. The the expanse of the beach has been reduced um, due to storm surfs and you know um, advanced like you know the the local council doing works around the beach areas to to preserve the beaches through storms and that type of thing. Um, when I was a kid, the beach the beach was very wide before you even got to the water from, you know, stepping on the sand, you walked wow, quite a distance very touched, to the water. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But, yeah, Voodoo was a place that I sort of ventured out to when I was in my teenage years out at Boat Harbour. Um, it's for – it's not for beginner or intermediate no. board, board riders. Um so when I felt that I was at that level, which was when I went into high school, we used to walk out there. That's now, now you can actually, yeah. yeah. Now you can actually drive. You mm. can drive right to the spot, right nearly to the takeoff spot. Wow! Back in back back in our high school days, you had to walk the full distance, uh, which was probably from from where I was living, probably four four and a half kilometres there. We would we would surf. During, especially during school holiday periods, we would surf all day, all day, and we would not take we would not take any any water, any food. So it was no wonder when we did the return walk, um, we were basically just legless with lack of energy. We, you know, we'd stumble back home. But you're also developing a resilience, aren't you, and exposure to the elements as well. Yeah, you know. You know um, I look back, I, I reflect back on those days and they were, they were such happy times. Mm. There'd be a group of us from Cronulla High School. Is that Puberty know, Blues? Be... Wasn't Puberty Blues around there too? Was it filmed yeah, around there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, Puberty Blues was, was uh, more towards my early, or late teens, early 20s. And Puberty Blues was filmed all around the Cronulla area. Um which was quite exciting at the time because quite a few of my peers um, at the time got themselves in on the movie as as extras. So that was that was 
exciting um, to see them on 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 the on the on the screen when it actually was released. Um, yeah, but look, I was always in nature, always in nature, on the beach, in the water, always looking for where where that next best wave was, and that's what sort of I suppose was a foundation for my competitive career career in yeah. surf sports through the surf life saving movement. So what inspired you to actually get into surf life saving or the sport, the Ironman sport? I mean, it was very popular in the 80s and 90s, obviously with Nutrigrain and uh, what was the other one? Nutrigrain and uh, Uncle Toby's. Uncle Toby's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were constantly filming, so um, it was quite well known in that era. Yeah, it was it was it was very well known. Katarina, you're absolutely right there. It was like on the weekends, it was televised live. So we were like our faces, our names were very well known at that point in time um, because of the exposure through media, uh, print media, and as I said, live live broadcast. Yeah, live. What, yeah. Inspired, what inspired me? It's it's really funny, you know, for, for when you look back on your life and you look at things that inspire you. Yeah. For the for the for the first time, I went to the Australian titles, the Australian surf titles, which are now fondly named the Aussie. Yeah, uh, yeah they call it the Aussies now. And um, in nineteen seventy three, I went to my first Australian titles. And I was, um, I went to the Australian titles at Burley Head, mm. um, was my first trip away from home without sort of any adult supervision in wow. the sense of okay. the immediate family. I went with the, I went with the surf club. So went, traveled with the surf club, stayed with the surf club, um, over the four or five, four or five nights and competed. Something you remember, don't you? Something you remember yeah, yeah. Oh, look, has an impact on you. Really yeah. yeah, these memories are really vivid to me. And I went to the Australian titles to go in the board ride. Is that and one of your favourites? That's one of your favourites, isn't well, it? Well, right, yeah, right at, right at that time it was. I was in year 10 at school. Wow. Um, and, and so year 10 would be, ride, sorry, year 10, 16. Uh, 16. Jeez, 16. Yeah. 16. Yeah. Wow. So I travelled away with the surf club on my first trip, and I went there primarily to compete in the board stand-up board riding because Surf Life Saving at that time realised that board riding was incredibly popular, more so than, I would say, the, you know, the regimentation of being a Surf Life Saver and doing patrols and all that sort of thing. So Surf Life Saving came up with this idea of introducing board riding competitions at their major championship carnivals to retain the membership of younger members. Mm, mm. So I went to compete in the board riding. And at the same time, I went in the board riding um, on the Friday. It was a th- Back then it was a three-day carnival. These days it's a 10-day carnival. But the Aussies, that is. Um, I went in the board riding and to fill in time over Saturday and the Sunday, in time. I went, I went, I went in the board race, which was the, you know, the paddle board race yeah. as a junior. 
and I went in the ski race uh, in the under. At that stage, it was the under eighteen. That's quite grueling, isn't and, it? Especially, did you say burly heads? Yeah, burly heads. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah, they get good surf there, but over this particular three days, it was very, very flat condition. So I played right into my hands. Um, going into uh, a paddleboard race, which I was just really, I was just filling in time for two days. And I went in the paddleboard race and I got through the heat and I found myself in the semi final. Oh, that's fantastic. And I, yeah. And, and that was all just through the fact that I used to surf twice a day and I'd attend surf club uh, training sessions when. The surf wasn't that good, and I didn't go stand up board riding. Yeah, was that so before was and after good. school? Because you're still yeah, at school, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I also went in in the uh, the surf ski race, um, which is those long skis that you see them yeah, paddle. Yeah. And I once again, I also found myself in the um, in the semi-finals, and the older members of the club were saying, you know, they were saying, Robert, you're not meant to do that. You're not meant to not do a lot of training on those those crafts and make semi-finals at the Australians. And I just was smiling and laughing and going, oh, yeah, that was a bit of fun. That was good. But you asked the question, what inspired me? Well, on the Sunday morning, I was in the park at Burley Heads. If people on the call know Burley Heads in, on the Gold Coast, mm, yeah. there's a park that is just right on the beach. And on the Sunday morning, they used to have the Australian Ironman Championship race, both juniors and seniors. And I remember so clearly, I was standing in the park and I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to watch this race. I'm going to watch it. And I watched the open race. It was probably on at about you know 9, 9 a.m. And the crowd just swelled in the park. Yeah, for sure. The mm. There were thousands of people. And this is way before it was even on on television <laughs> and I was looking around as a 16 year old and thinking geez this is, this is pretty big time and a gentleman by the name of Ken Bidler uh, from Western Australia was a first year senior competitor and the Ironman race was on and the excitement on the beach was just you know you could feel it yeah. and I stood there mm. I stood there and I watched it anyway Ken Bidler who's now a good friend of mine he he won the event and his club mate chaired him off the beach. They lifted him up on, on their shoulders. The archetype they, of the king. Yeah. 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 And they, they, chaired, they chaired him off the beach. And I stood there as this, you know, this young surf bleach blonde type hair looking at this. And I, that was the moment I made my decision. So I that, thought, that, I'm going I'm, I'm to do this event. Wow. That's this a, event. This event looks fantastic. I'm going to do it. And that's what happened. That, so what was that, it? That, Robert, what was it about it that was, vision, that impact that actually made you go forward with it, though? What, was it the archetype of being that king and, and the prestige of it? Or was there yeah, something it, underlying well, for you? Well, yes. I, I, wanted, I wanted to win that, that title. I wanted to be the Australian Ironman champion. And... At that particular time in my life, um, things were not good on um, my family, on the family front. Mm. But I, I went home um, that 
following day, I flew home. Um, and at that particular time, um, our family, like my immediate family, mum and my father, um, the whole thing was falling apart. Mm. It was just disintegrating because my father was a chronic um, alcoholic. Mm. And life, life from when I was about... Uh, probably I realised things weren't good when I was about 10 or 11 years of age. And here I was at 16. And I said to my parents on my arrival home, um, I'm going to be the Australian Ironman champion. Because they, you know, they asked the usual questions. How was it? You know, did you enjoy it? That sort of thing. Um, And I said, I'm going to be the Australian Ironman champion. And I never forget the image of my dad standing at my bedroom door and he laughed. Oh, he no. laughed. Yeah, but, you, you know, at the time, at the time as a 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old, it, it, it probably broke my heart. Yeah, of course. But it, 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 dro- it, it drove me on. It drove I- me on because that... That image has stayed with me. I was going to say, you know, sometimes people like there's that fork in the road and you can go either way, like model your parents' behaviour or you can go the opposite way. And I always think there's that opportunity that time, that fork in the road that says which way are you going to go. And sometimes those opportunities present themselves up for you and the conditions are almost um, as painful as they are, are almost needed to propel you into that direction. Katarina, you are so right, because look, I ref- I reflect on on my on the things that I set goals for in my sporting career and m- my career as a teacher. And when I reflect on these those moments, I look back and I think, you know, even unintentionally, on his behalf, he taught me some really incredible lessons in yeah. life. Um, and let me say this, you're absolutely right. There was a fork in the road, and the fork in the road was for many years. Uh, he was he was a two-pack-a-day uh, cigarette smoker, yeah. as my yeah. mum was a smoker. Yeah. Um, he was a chronic alcoholic, so I lived through yeah. those those periods of time of um, like violence, um, oh abuse, all those things. I lived mm. through all of those while still trying to go to school each day oh. and the the lessons that those years taught me were invaluable to me to this day because I could have followed I, I could have, I you know I yeah. could have yes. followed in yeah. his footsteps in a way and and gone off the rails but I made a decision when I saw the state of his health the coughing mm. the the uh, the unemployment because he was he was serially constantly unemployed because yeah. he couldn't hold down a job. Um, I saw the effect of of the cigarette smoking yeah. on a on a daily basis, and I remember thinking to myself as a teenager when I used to um, lie in my lie in my bed at night trying to go to sleep and and hear the arguments and all that sort of oh, thing. I yeah. made a decision. And yeah. no one taught me that. I just made a decision yeah. that this was not going to be my life. Is that like a spirit and or a light inside you that was talking internally? That, you know, I, I don't want to be like that. You know, that is a limited mindset, unfortunately. And um, it was a reflection of him, not of you, 
you know, that those comments that he made about you and the laughing about you, that's just limited mindset. Um, and yeah, he couldn't imagine, yeah. you know, anything better for himself. And he was just, mm. Yeah, well, very impactful on me. Yeah. And even up until this day, it's still impactful and we'll get to that towards the end of the, the call. But I was fortunate. I was fortunate yeah. that I had uh, my grandmother because I ended up living with my grandmother. Mm, they're special, aren't they? Um, yeah, and she um, she took me in. Um, I think I was probably about... Um, it was just shortly thereafter, actually. It was probably when I was a bit, still 16. You're still 16, And she wow. took me in, and she lived also... She lived right on the beach here at Cronulla. Wow. And... Um, she she put a roof over my head. She looked after me. I had obviously I had no finances because I had to finish high school. And then she she was my bedrock. She yeah. she just you know she she nurtured me. She gave me advice mm-hmm. because my grandmother, who was New Zealand, was a New Zealander. At the age of eighteen, when my grandfather met her. Um, he was on military leave over in New Zealand. He was an Aussie out of Cootamundra and Tamora, and he went over to New Zealand. And this is the little bits that my grandmother used to tell me. And he he met my grandmother in a place in New Zealand called Pukakaui. And they fell in love, and he brought her back to Australia. Now, at the age of 1920, she was on a farm out of Cootamundra feeding shearers and wow. feeding all the workmen on the farm. Some DNA there. Shearing. Yeah, and she was, I'll tell you now, Katarina, she was as tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. She was tough. And I was very fortunate at Cronulla High. I had um, two teachers in particular, um, who, you, one, th- who, one, one who I'm still in contact with. So this is a mentorship that uh, we talk about because, I mean, you've had 42 years of, of being a teacher too and we'll talk about how important mentoring is, you know, or behaviour modelling as well for, for children. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I experienced that. I had two teachers. One was Mrs Wade, who was my economics teacher in year 11 and 12, and one was um, Kerry Davies, who I still have contact you with still today. Do. She lives down Aww. the south coast of New South Wales. Yeah at Naruma, and I ring her every Christmas um, to say hi. She sends me a Christmas card. And Kerry Davies particularly, um, I remember I did the Aussie titles in 1975, so this was two two years following on from that that moment in 73 um, when I went to my first Aussies. And in 1975... The Australian titles were at DY Beach and in Sydney, and I won the Australian Junior Ironman That's title. amazing. Yeah, so that two years amazing. on from when I made that decision. Now, Kerry Day, and, and as soon as I won that in March of 75, I, rec- I retired to the couch. <laughs> and I was in year 12. Yeah, so I put in a whole... All that whole trauma season. mentally, yeah, and emotionally, yeah. yeah. I put in a whole season of uh, prep and I retired to the couch for a period of time, which took me to my trial 
HSC, which is high school certificate for the people who don't know what it is. Um, And that is we have trial exams for high school certificates. And I retired to the couch and Kerry Day and I failed three out of five exams in my trial. Uh, But I still was reclined on the couch after a, a, a big season of training and competition. And my Kerry Davies rang my home or rang my grandmother's home and spoke to my grandmother. And she said to my grandmother, Robert is not working to his potential. I know he's oh, just done... Oh, beautiful? Mate, yeah, not... Um, I know he's just won, you know, the Australian title. Fantastic. Congratulations. But he still has a life outside of his sport that he needs to focus on for wow, his that, upcoming exam. That just gave me so, goosebumps. How instrumental yeah. is, is that in having an amazing mentor who really believes in you to be successful in life? How instrumental yeah, is yeah. that? Oh, incredible. You know, she, she believed in me. Yeah. She believed in the fact that what I was demonstrating in those trial exams was not me. And do you, you think know? because she believed in you that you had to live up to that expectation? You know, when you, it's like the quantum world, that, that field, when someone knows something or, or thinks that proton is a particular way, it behaves that way. Is that the same with people? Um, she saw the greatness yeah. in you. She saw, what, what yeah. do they say now? They call it goat or something. I just learned that the other day. I couldn't oh, great, believe it. Great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. And she saw that um, in you. Yeah, and well, so you had to live up to that expectation. Well, I, look, I don't, I don't know if I was living up. Well, probably there was a part of that—the fact that she believed in me. Yeah, and how beautiful. I, I told her, I told her that story. I, I relive that story with Kerry when we do speak on occasion at Christmas time. Um, but you know what it was? My grandmother got off that phone, and she—I remember—I was on the, I was on the lounge uh, watching TV, <laughs> oh, and this was back in nineteen. 19- 75 and my grandmother stood in front of me and she gave me a dressing down she gave me a dressing down and she she basically said you know listen here buddy i'm not here to put a roof over your head and just see you waste your life away you know not performing at your best in your in your schoolwork." um and she laid down the law to me i remember it very, very clearly. Was that a good thing and to I have said, boundaries for you? Oh yeah, yeah. She pulled. She 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 shaped. She shaped my life mm. from the, when I moved into with her. That's beautiful. And she shaped my life. She used to. She used to tell me how you know. She used to say, Robert, you you, you watch how you behave. You speak to people politely. You treat people well, and we, you know all very well and good on your greatest fan when you go out and compete and, mm. in your competitions and that. But don't you ever be a big head. I don't ever want to hear you, you know, bragging or skiding or boasting. Yeah, she yeah. said, you be a humble champion yeah. and those sorts of things. Well, you definitely but are she, because it took me three times to get that out of you. You're definitely very yeah. humble. <laughs> Incredibly yeah. so. And, and, and she said to me, you get, your, you, you, you get yourself into gear and start studying. And that was, that was, I did six months study. I did six months study working into my HSC where I would, I, I put aside my, you know, for a period of time, I put aside um, my surfing. Um, I re- cut back on all my training and I just focused 
laser focused on my wow. study. Yeah. And I did real I I did really well in my HSC. So I you did, that I, belief, I, yeah, transitioned to you, so you're believing in yourself as well. Yeah. And and it just it just takes, you know, those moments, those particular moments where someone says, Come on, you're better than this. You are better than this. Let's not waste it. Let's do it. And I did. And she supported me for those, as she did until, you know, I stayed with her for such a long time, over 20 years. Oh, that's until fantastic. She passed. Oh. Um, oh. But um, she, 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 put me, she pulled me in the line. Um, but she was such an influence on me, such an influence. All good. Yeah, and talking about influencers and mentors and, you know, behaviour modelling for people, you've spent 42 years as a teacher. So there would be so many rewarding moments for you because, I mean, a lot of people would use you as a mentor as well. Um, it's, yeah, and I, I, I always attempted to be in, in the classroom. I was, I was in... PE for a long time, held middle management roles in schools um, as sports coordinator, head of faculty, um, and then I transitioned into history because I just felt I needed to have a change. Oh, so what type so of history? Oh, I focused on modern history, but modern, I did a little yeah. bit of ancient history for a period of time, but I wouldn't say that was my forte. I, I was more into the um, modern history and then the junior years as well, year seven to ten. That's my interesting. Classroom, yeah, I think yeah, they're recycling that at the moment. What, so what were you exposing the kids to? I think they're going through that again at the moment. Yeah, and you got, yes. Um, I, where I was, the school that I was in, we, we focused a lot on Russian history, um, the Romanovs, uh, Lenin, Stalin. Stalin, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah, you, you, you've got it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to be careful. Yeah. In the last couple of years, you've got to be careful what you're saying. Yes, you're <laughs> um, yeah. very mindful of what you say and how you how you deliver your lessons. Um, and some of the questions that my seniors have asked me over the last two years, um, when we, when you do things like Lenin and Stalin, um, you have to be very very mindful of your response, unfortunately. Um, that's just the way it is. So, But as far as mentorship, I had great relationships with the kids. I had fantastic relationships with the kids uh, all throughout my career. I, I, it's not unusual that, you know, occasionally from some of the... I, I taught at an inner-city school, Tempe High School, for a long period of time which was one of my first postings in the, in the um, state system. And I, I still occasionally, like two, three years ago, I think three or four years ago, I got invited to a reunion um, for Tempe High School. And mm. this is like 20 or years on. And how they got in contact with me, I have no idea, but they did. And I got invited to a reunion. Oh, that is so beautiful. School. Yeah, that's so, gorgeous. Yeah, it is. And um, my most recent school, which is a local school, my most recent school, um, which is local in in the Cronulla area, I, I, I go into Cronulla and I 
I bump into students all the time, all the time. See them around the around the beaches, see them around the surf clubs. A lot of the a lot of the kids that I've taught for the last ten years are involved in surf life baby. Because you've also and been a coach, haven't you, to to several clubs as well. So you, you're quite well recognised around the beaches I, as well. I've, yeah, when I retired from competition in my mid thirties, I retired from competition, and I thought to myself when I retired from competition because it, it's a it's a really very strenuous um, regime of training for all those for all those competitions. Like we train. I was going to say, what's a normal day training. like? What's a normal day like? Oh, for an Ironman. Yeah, yeah, for an Ironman. Yeah. Okay, so I would wake up. I used to wake up at twenty to five, oh, twenty God. to five in the morning. Yeah. I was in the pool. I was in the pool by five a.m. at our local Olympic pool, local leisure centre. Um, I'd be in the pool at 5am. I'd swim till 7am. So Two hours. Wow. Yeah, that was that was taking you anywhere from five kilometres to anything up to seven kilometres, depending depending on the on the uh, the stage of your program. You know, in early season, say around September, October, you'd be doing the longer distances, uh, building that foundation of endurance, and then sort of post Christmas, New Year you would go into more speed-type programs. So you, you, your mileage would reduce, but your intensity and wow. your speed aspects would increase. Um, so that was before work. Before work. work. Before yeah. Sorry. You yeah. just got me going before work. Yeah. Yeah. So that, then I'd get out of the pool, shower, get changed, um, have... On, on occasion, more mostly, I'd have um, breakfast at the pool. Not Nutri-Grain, is it? And it's not... <laughs> no, I wasn't eating Nutri-Grain. No. I was not eating Nutri-Grain. No, I know. And then I would uh, drive off to school, um, fill my role as head of department, sports coordinator, whatever I was doing at that particular time, teach, you know, you, out of five or six periods a day, you'd teach three or four. Um, then I'd go home, I usually got maybe, I'd be home by, I don't know, quarter to four, four o'clock. I'd rest for maybe half an hour, three quarters of an hour. And then because my grandmother had a home right on the beach at Cronulla, I was just a stone's throw away from yeah, lucky. the surf club. Mm. Yeah, I was very I was very fortunate in that regard. And I'd walk over to the surf club, uh, pull out my board or ski, depending on what, what session it was. Then we trained for, as a group, we trained for an hour, hour and a quarter, maybe a bit longer. Um, and then it was back home and Gran would have dinner prepared. She was, uh, you know, she knew how hard I was training and I was working at the same time. So she'd have everything ready. Um, and then, yeah, I was in I was in bed very early, sort of 8, 8.30. You'd have to, wouldn't you? To, yeah, to recover. And, and, I mean, you'd probably have doms set in, wouldn't you, every second day. So you'd have to recover, make sure that uh, your muscles are, are recovering quite well. Yes, yes. Um, the, the recovery... Now, un- listeners should understand that back when I was competing, um, the idea of recovery was not as fully well-researched or understood as mm. it is today. 
you know, ice baths and massage and stretching. You know, basically, for for me, it was um, I would get a massage religiously every Wednesday afternoon. Wow, that was the afternoon that I had. Yeah, and there was no. If someone had suggested that you jump in a bath full of ice back then, we would say, "Are you serious?" Yeah, (laughs) but now, but but now the ice baths are pretty much. you know, Anti-inflammation, yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. important. And we just didn't, we 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 just didn't have that research. We didn't have that knowledge back then. And even when we, in 1984, when the first Cool and Gatta Gold, which is an iconic event in Australia, for the listeners, that's a really big endurance event yeah. that's mm. held on the Gold Coast. The Cool and Gatta Gold, the first one ever in 1984. We all went up to the Gold Coast, and they had twenty thousand dollars gold bullion. It was the first professional race that surf life saving had seen, um, and we all ventured up to the Gold Coast in the January of nineteen eighty four, and we went in this event called the Coolangatta Gold. Well, the the recovery tent after the event at Surface Paradise was like it was just full of these athletes who had really no deep knowledge of racing endurance events that took four hours oh, in length. Four hours, yeah. yeah. And we were, I had three litres of drip after that event. Oh, I was that gosh. dehydrated, you know. So you look back on those moments and you go, because today, uh, the Coolangatta Gold today, you see an athlete like Ali Day, yeah. who's won six, Cool and go to mm. goals. You see him cross the line, and it looks yeah. like he could turn around and do it again. Yeah, but we were all stumbling across the line <laughs> because we had we had no idea of how to race with the replenishment of fluids and the replenishment of you know liquid gels and all these things that they use these days. We were basically just picking up a glass of a, a, a paper cup of water at oh, at, gosh. at, at, at at tables that were scattered, you know, 10 kilometres apart. And the electrolytes <laughs> that you were losing, oh, my goodness, yeah. not replacing. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And, and all the but, cramps in the, in the muscles, you know. Yeah, well. All the cramping I, as well. I had cramps. The last, in 1984, the last leg of the Coolangatta Gold, which they've reversed now uh, for safety reasons, but the last leg of the Coolangatta Gold was the ski paddle from <sighs> Coolangatta Beach back to Surface Paradise. Yeah. Um, and they realised because there were competitors who were that dehydrated, they were they were falling off their yeah, feet sure. out in yeah. the ocean yeah. and being rescued. Yeah. I remember hitting the beach back at Surface Paradise and basically crawling to the line. Literally, I was that exhausted and dehydrated because we back then we trained for a ten to fifteen minute short course Ironman event. And here we were being tested over four hours. <laughs> oh, poor thing. The pain and the, the cramps. I'm just thinking about all yeah. the electrolytes they're losing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. yeah. But anyway. Yeah. That, that's how it was. Yeah, what an amazing mindset, really, that you'd have to have to, to you know, um, overcome all of those things. Like, the mindset is, is amazing. Like, physicality aside, the mindset to get you through all that for four hours is just phenomenal, really. And I think I think um, that type of mindset drives you um, with any obstacles that, that come up into your life these days. 
Yeah, yeah. But there's no doubt in that. I've been I've been challenged in the you know, especially in the since August of last year, um, in regard to my career and the I, I, I was only reflecting on it today. Um, just as you get older, you seem to reflect a lot. I find that I reflect a lot. Well, you get more clarity, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the last six months, um, for a lot of teachers, a lot of people in different workforces, has been very challenging with mandates and all that sort of thing and loss of employment. Oh, so unfortunate. Uh, which, yeah. And I've, I've been through that. So, and I had no intention of retiring from. I had no intention of retiring from anything, not from my coaching, um, which I was still coaching in surf, you know, up before and after after work. Um, and so, in in respect to your question, that has been my mind has guided me, my strength of mind has guided me through that. I've, I've lent into the vulnerability of what's yeah, happened. Yeah. I've, I haven't lent away from it. I've lent into it. Um, I've met the, the friendships that are, the, the friendships that have come my way. The tribe. In the mm-hmm. last, in the last <laughs> six months. People mm-hmm. that I'd never met before. People that have, <laughs> we've formed communities and and I've got such beautiful friendships now from people I didn't even know prior to, you know, the back end of last year. Opportunity, is what they I'll say, yeah. Yeah. So yes, definitely, my mind is one of my is definitely one of my strengths in everything I do. So does, does it become familiar, familiar again, where you feel that pain, you know, that segregation? Um, uh, sort of almost disbelief. I mean, obviously, there's dismantling um, of friendships as well. How do you utilise what you've learnt from being successful? There's people waving, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, from from your successes. I mean, because you're definitely an elite athlete, you know, and you, you have this amazing resilience in your mind. What do you draw from that um, to take to what's happening today? What do I draw? I, I, I draw from the fact that I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment, Katarina, that is a, it's sold over 12 million copies, and I've heard the name of this book for for decades, and that is Viktor Frankl's book. The oh, Man. yeah. Mm, yeah, The Great book. Life. Beautiful and book. And I, I, I thought, I keep hearing about this book. Yeah. I need to purchase it. So I went into Cronulla oh, a couple of days ago, and I walked past... Um, there's a bookshop called the Little Bookshop in Cronulla, and I walked past and I thought, "No, nah, this is this is the moment. I've got to read this book. Um, <laughs> I, I have to read this book because it was mentioned again on the Voices for Choices Zoom that I run every Monday. So I went in and I asked if they had the book, and the lady went straight to the shelf. She pulled it out for me. I paid my money. It was sixteen dollars. Like $16. synchronicity. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I started reading the book that I went into the mall at Cronulla. I had to go and do some another appointment, and I I sat down on one of the benches in Cronulla Mall, and I started reading. And I read about two pages, and there was stuff jumping out of the pages at me all the time. Oh, Gratitude, like amazing. Every, every yeah. second line, I I go, wow. How profound is that? Yeah. Like this guy was in a, a, a concentration camp, 
and this is how he approached it. This was his mindset. But the one I read about, I read for about another hour today in, in this book. And the one thing that keeps jumping out nearly on every page is that the strength of mind that he drew from in the Auschwitz concentration yeah. camp was mm. his his daily reflection on his his purpose for life, and he held dearly the, of the fact that. Once he got out of the camp, he was going. He, his purpose in life was to be able to see his wife again. Um, so, what I've drawn from this book is that, and the strength of my mind is what is my, what is my purpose. And in the last six months, um, I was this time last year. I was teaching. I was going every day into a classroom and loving the students and loving what I was doing. Even after all these years, decades of teaching, I was loving every single second of my preparation for lessons. And 12 months ago, that's what I was doing. I was coaching, you know, before and after school and loving it. And how lucky were those people around you to have you really with your talent and with your your experience? I mean, that expansive experience that you've got, they would have loved you. Yeah, well, you know that that was that was that was my purpose. But my purpose now, mm-hmm. I, I reflected today when I was reading, is the work I'm doing now with my Monday Zooms and the and and bringing that community together. Yeah. Voices for Choices. So let me say that you're a, you're a founder, aren't you? One of the founders of uh, Voices for Choices, which is a platform that gives um, people alternate voices or uh, different options, you know, or different um, exposure to different information, so people can make up their yeah. minds about things. Yeah. All right. So yeah, yeah, how yeah. how was that formed? Well, Voices for Choices came about because I was in Cronulla Park last I reckon. In August, September, October, I was in Cronulla Park after my morning swim that I have with uh, the ocean crew. There's a there's a group of group of us that do an ocean swim every morning. Um, it probably adds up to about two kilometres, two two and a half kilometres. Um, and I was walking back to my car. Now this is after all the. Uh, mandates have been handed down and different restrictions have been imposed on us. And I bumped into a young lady who was an athlete. Um, of, she's 21 years of age, and I'd given her a little bit of mentorship in regard to her competition in the past, say, two years. And she was nine woman. And I said, how are you? And she said, not real good. And I said, why, mm-hmm. why aren't you real good? And she said, um, I've, been, I've been separated from the main training group in, in my yeah. surf club and I said what do you mean you've been separated she said I've been told I've got to train 50 metres up the beach <laughs> and I said what, what for and yeah. she told me the reason is because she hadn't taken a medical in, uh, intervention she had her eyes open anyway I, I walked to my car and I thought no 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 <laughs> this is not going to happen in the sport that I grew up in yeah. and Wow. So I rang a very close ally of mine who I have a great friendship with mm-hmm. who's been on your wellness couch, yeah. um, Trevor Hendy. I rang him. Uh, we connected that day and I said, mate, we, we, this is not on. This, we, we've got to do something about this. And just 
around that day or the following day, <laughs> a fellow surfer, yeah. water, a fellow waterman contacted Trev. That was uh, 1988 World Surfing Champion Martin Lynch. Yeah. He contacted Trev and the three of us came together and that was the start of Voices for Choices. And I think that's amazing because, I mean, it's so synchronistic and it's like, you know, like I know Trev talks about the chrysalis, you know, coming out um, and the imaginals, you know, you go into this little chrysalis because of what's happened to you. Even as a community, I can say what's happened to you, the segregation, the pain, you go into this chrysalis, you sort of, um, all that pain makes you feel like, you know, you're breaking down, disingrating. And then those beautiful cells, there's light somewhere. There's light. And, and we call them, I know Bruce Lipton calls them the imaginals, but, um, you know, they, they start finding each other. They actually start resurrecting and going, okay, we need to um, redirect this butterfly uh, or caterpillar and uh, we need to come up and, and uh, start forming, you know, something to make it survive. And then they're called the imaginals and they come and they find each other, these cells that are in that goop, and they actually yeah. form the butterfly. And what comes out of that chrysalis through that pain and through that trauma is this beautiful, beautiful butterfly. The metaphor is just amazing. And this is what I see in you guys as well. Yeah, because you've been on our call and um, you, you, you've seen our community that we've, that we've got now in Voices for Choices and the speakers that we have that, you know... Yeah, they're high-profile speakers. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and you've helped me in that, in that area in, in um, sec- and, and making those contacts for me and I thank you for that. That's a, I really appreciate what you've done for me there. Um, and we've, we have now formed a beautiful community of people who are on that call Every Monday at eleven o'clock, uh, Sydney, you know, daylight or East Coast daylight saving time, except for Queensland, which is ten o'clock. And as I said, we have this beautiful community now where people reach out to each other and support each other through these uh, difficult and strange times that we had never experienced before. And that, you know, that that's my purpose now. I have such beautiful friendships yeah, yeah. from that group. Authentic, I have such yeah. beautiful friendships. Yeah. People send me people send me emails from all over Australia, um, and 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 say what they and and, and are so appreciative of the the information, the education, and the connection that they've got out of this community. And you're seeing all these parallel communities that are developing now with homeschooling, alternative, you know, food markets. Farmers markets. You, you only have to tap into what's happening up on the, apart from the tragic floods that have just occurred oh, in the northern yes. rivers. But I've got contacts in Byron Bay now who yeah. tell me about all the farmers markets yeah. and those sort of things that are occurring up there, and the homeschooling is just booming now. Yeah, well, it's going to um, have to be the people to do the job. You know, the imaginals that they're, they're going to have to be because the Corona narrative is actually imploding. Um, there's many distractions that they're giving us at the moment, and that's so that there's no clarity in the mind, you know, at the, the forehead. Like, if you're so stressed and there's so much going on, you can't think clear. You, you look for navigation purposes outside of you for someone to lead you, and, and that's what's occurring. It's just, you know, bombing people um, day after day with, with something or other, and, and these poor people are just trying to survive day to day, you know, let alone trying to find extra information of what's actually going on. Um yeah, so, but... Um, yeah, I, you know, out of, out, of these, out of these communities, we have another community in that's, that's developed um, that I'm a part of and that 
people around, especially around the Shire, but also all over Australia. And there's some some people uh, overseas as well have now joined the Eyes Wide Open yeah. community. And that's a wonderful community where people are emailing and, and um, communicating with each other on all sorts of questions and ideas and challenges and the way to do things. Um, but I had... Uh, two, two, maybe three days ago, I, I I talk to people out of Voices for Choices regularly. I had a, a dear friend say to me the other day, um, Rob, we, this is a beautiful time, a beautiful time. And I was contemplating what this person was saying to me. And she said, this is a beautiful time because when we come out of this, yeah. it's going to be better than it ever was before. Yes, um, and we have, and we're going through this suffering, just like the imaginals, Katarina, that you've just mentioned that Trev uses a meta, Trevor uses as a metaphor. metaphor yeah, that it's a beautiful time that um, we've more and more people are waking up, and we're going to come out of this um, with building not what we yeah. had before, but something that's going to be better. Different templates and paradigms. I think so as well. The opportunity is there right now. Um, yeah. Definitely right there. Um, yeah, it is. And we're going to set up our own systems. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what, Katarina, what about... Are you there? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, what about you with the wellness couch? You, you must get such a range and diverse range of speakers. Um, and you must, you must come into contact with people who have got these questions and challenges surrounding them. Is that the case? Um, yeah, we do. We do. Um, we tend to, I mean, I can go into the, you know, like uh, the two lies that everything else was basically based on, like the asymptomatic infections. Um, you know, they made everybody scared of everyone, no matter how healthy they looked. And we know that there's no real asymptomatic infections, especially in relation to respiratory disease. I mean, we learned yeah. that at uni. Anyone who has a respiratory disease has symptoms. You go to your doctor and they always ask you about your symptoms, okay? And then the second one was a PCR test. You know, the PCR test, um, it cannot detect infections. It can't distinguish between dead and live matter. We know all about that. Um and um, we, it can't see a whole virus. It can only see fragments. So we can't distinguish between, you know, whether it's COVID or just a normal coronavirus, a cold. And so they're coming out with that now. Um, and so whether it was the media that perpetrated all this or what, but there's, I can see in the media there's a lot of scapegoat going on at the moment. Um, but they use those two principles. They base that closure on, you know, on an international scale, like closing businesses, disrupting services, creating mental health issues. People were um, suiciding because it was such a change to their um, lifestyle. And, and just we're, we're going to see a lot of this, um, you know, in the next five years. So what we try to focus on is solutions because I could focus on that. But to me, that is what you focus on um, just gets bigger. And so I'm trying to, we're trying to focus on solutions and what we can see um, uh, could possibly occur in the future and try to find solutions to that. Um, so we're more focused on, on solution-based things, I guess. Um, like, like my own pain as well. Like I went through pain segregation um, and a few other things and I just transitioned that. I took a little bit of time to enter the chrysalis in the dark 
um, you know, turned into the goop, felt the pain, and then transitioned it into a butterfly by making um, one of the courses, one of the retreats be unstoppable where I teach people, particularly women, on how to transition through those stages that they feel in their life. Um, so yeah. to me, this is opportunity. If, if you can withstand it, if you can withstand the pain and other things, you know, change that happens drastically in your life, it can create opportunity in your life, I think. And, and you're the person to talk to because you've gone through all of that. Yeah, well, as I said earlier on, this time last year, um, even though I, w- I was awake when it all started, years ago I was awake you know the, the worst thing that's come the worst the worst thing that's come out of a two weeks to flatten the curve has been the, the past two years like two weeks to flatten the curve <laughs> and then here we are going into our you know the beginning of our third year yeah. um, but I was look when it all I was awake right from the beginning because I, I'd been teaching modern history but I, I I'd been yeah. looking at things for years um, and the the thing for me, the thing for me and for people on the call who are listening is that I've, I've found um, another purpose to my life being the communities that I'm involved in now, the, the beautiful new friendships that I've formed that are very, very close to me. Um, and I'm, you know, and I value their friendship and I value the time that I speak to them and the time I spend with them. That's because we have a walking group on Sunday mornings where we walk. What a great a walking group. group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that sense of community. So I'm not going to deny to the people who are listening that I was infallible and that I didn't go through some dark periods yeah. of not understanding yeah. why I was no longer a school teacher. I was not infallible to the fact that I had some dark moments um, of asking the question, you know, to myself, what the of hell course. just happened? Of what course. the hell has just happened? And is it possible to happen in 2020 to 2022? Yeah. I just thought to myself, my God, what's, what's happened? They can't do that. Well, I had, a, I had a friend who said to me, Robert, don't ask the question, they can't do that, or this can't happen yeah, because yeah. they've done it. Um, but I, I stood I, I stood firm in my resolve right from the get-go. I think truth I, is very important as an, you know, being ethical. I think truth is, is a great, um, yeah, one to have. Yeah, and I, I right from the right from the instant... Um, that this all sort of started, I knew in my own mind where I stood. I, I stood very firmly in what I believed in, um, and I I won't deny that there were periods of times and days mm-hmm. that I thought, what what has just happened? What where 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 did this, where did this all go um, from something that I just loved doing? Um, however, I've, I've found this beautiful group of people, uh, and I, I would never have met you. Um, and you, likewise, these. I'm and so uh, never, lucky. I'm the lucky one. Yeah, well, and same. So 
same back to you because I would never have met you and we've talked on the phone and we've communicated. Hey, we were talking, I was in the Grampians on the weekend. <laughs> you got through, I don't know how you got through because we were at the Peaks Trail. So I don't know how you got through to me, but you did. Yeah, and those photos you sent to me were amazing. You there? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that, those, those photos you sent through were amazing. It's, it's a beautiful place, amazing. it really was. It's a gorgeous was place. That one, was, that, was, was that your was that one of your retreats? No, no, no. That um, my little girl, one of my girls, um, got into state swimming at Horsham, and so that was an opportunity for us to actually travel up there. It's about four hours away from here. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then we just took the weekend to to actually become tourists. I mean, the Grampians are so it's a, an incredible indigenous um, area um, that we're fascinated with, um, and yeah. and such a connection to nature. So. It's just got such a indigenous history. We had to go through it, and it's just amazing peaks to travel through. So we went on a few hikes. Um, I saw the Pink Lake, and um, and then came back back to. I miss the ocean. Yeah, I need to be near the ocean. Like I said to you, I think I was texting. You, I said I need water, but what I meant was I need the ocean. <laughs> it was so yeah, dry out there. You're, you're at a, a, now just tell me where Apollo Bay. So it's along the surf coast, well, near the surf coast. So do you know where Lawn, Torquay, Bells Beach, yeah. around that area? I've so just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done, I've done um, Nutri-Grain races down yeah. Torquay. Yeah, for sure. So it's an hour and a half on the wild side of the Great Ocean Road, away from Torquay. Wow. Yeah, it's what a, it's what a beautiful stretch of It's coast. the wild side. It's where the ocean meets the forest. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Yeah, so how how far are you from say Bells Beach and those types of places? Uh from Torquay, I think we're about an hour and a half. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do you ever go and watch the Easter Easter Bells? Yes, concept? yeah. Mhm. Always. Always. Yeah. What an amazing event that it is. It is an amazing event. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, so if where can people find you? We've come to the end of the show, unfortunately. We'll have to have you on again because we're just starting, starting to warm up. Um, where can people find you if they want to talk to you, if they want to um, text or email you? Where, where are you accessible oh, now? Um, they can um, – they can. i tell you what they can do. They can – if they can, they can join voicesforchoices.life uh, and they'll get an invitation to the Monday Zoom at 11 o'clock. If they can't attend the Monday Zoom because they're working or they've got commit other commitments... Um, You've got some incredible I, people too on those calls too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a, a Rebecca Meldrum from, yeah. your, from your area at the Morning Peninsula. She's, our, she's, she's our on the other Kino side, speaking. yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah, on the she's other our Kino cut this coming Monday. Yeah. And she is like yourself. She's an amazing lady. Whoa, you know. And I want to get you on our call too one one day. <laughs> I want to get my voice back. Yeah, yeah. When you get your voice back, um, they can, they can. What they can do is they can join voicesforchoices.life. Um, there's an email address there, and when we access the emails, um, I can give people my my private email address and they can communicate with me in that regard. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, you've been such a wealth of knowledge and you're such a jewel to do this um, for this planet, seriously. I mean, um, uh, facilitating the Voices for Choices and giving people um, an extra voice, you know, and opportunities to find different information. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Robert, for what you do for our planet. Seriously, it's been amazing. 
You there? Oh. Hello, Robert? Must have just lost him. Okay. And that was Robert Chapman um, from Voices for Choices. And this is the Wellness Couch on 87.6 FM. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.